Aloha, and welcome back. This is Pay Radio, talk radio worth listening to. In this episode, you will learn more about how we are expanding our sense of worth on multiple levels. Enjoy the show. And welcome back, Soul Dancer here, your host for Pay Me What I'm Worth, and I am itching with excitement. And I know I say this every time I start out my shows, but it's true. I'm itching. I met a gentleman back in April in New York while I was doing a book signing, and his name is Jason Womack. Now, you may have heard of Jason before because he has been all over the place. You may have seen him on Forbes. You may have seen him on USA Today, Fox News. Jason, welcome to the show. My God, what show have you not been on? <laughs> Aloha, this is the first time you and I have been on this. Let's get this one done, and we'll move on to the next one. Delighted to be here with your community as well. Okay, Jason, I ask this question to every person I interview to kick off an interview, and it always helps my listeners get a good sense of who you are without having to go through your typical pedigree and bio profile type of thing. Jason, I invite you to consider, imagine you sitting across the table from yourself that's 25 years younger than you are right now. And you're telling your younger self everything that he's about to go through in the next 25 years. What do you think that younger self would say after you share with him some of the highlights? I love this prompt. This is the first time I've ever had this prompt. So, uh, first of all, I think my younger self's jaw would be on the table in awe of, <laughs> of what's coming his youthful way. I'll give a lot of information here. So, I'm 40. I just turned 40. So, that's going to be me at 15 years old. Gosh, 15 years old, I had just left the house that I grew up in. One of those weird childhood things where left my family, I lived with friends for a while. I wound up moving in with my father uh, across the bay in San Francisco. And next thing I knew, I had realized that learning was not done to me. It was something that I did in the world. And so I went from being a non-student to a student, not of academic soul, but more of life. And mm -hmm. so looking back over the past two and a half decades, I think that's the one thing that people around me could consistently and constantly say is that Jason's curious. He's more curious than most people. And it's not so much what people do as much as how people are. And on the one side, anyone who picks up the book or gets to sit in the program, sure, they're going to get ideas about being productive or managing themselves through time, but really, my question at the end of the day, that proverbial statement is, did you do what you said you would do, and were you the person that you think you are in those 24 hours? That really has been the driver behind uh, all of my professional work. Wow. All right. So now that your jaw is up off the table and you're back at being 40, <laughs> your presence in the world to invite people to learn, to grow, to be the best and get even better. In your book, Your Best Just Got Better. Now, folks, in the show notes here, there are all the links to get a hold of Jason, how to buy his book, all of that jazz. So please click on those links. 
first let's dive into go back to that moment in time where you said you know what i think i got a book i have to write where were you jason when you started the process of you knew you had a book to write you may not have known the title but you knew you had to write a book what kick-started you into start writing i had a mentor of mine a guy named larry chambers who long story about how he became a writer himself his first profession was a three-tour Vietnam War veteran. So uh, he, he joined the Army Rangers out of choice. He went to Vietnam, and then he stayed there two extra tours. He came back from that, and one of the things that he had realized was that through academics, through school, through life, he really was a, quote, subpar performer. He was uh, terrible in school. He was unruly with his family. He had a lot of pent-up energy. It wasn't until he got into an environment where survival and attention really kept him alive. So what we would call him today as ADD, which still I, I, I can't wrap my brain around why this is a deficit, but we'll get there in a moment if we have time. He found that in the jungle of Vietnam, being, being attention-focused and aware actually kept him alive. Anyway, he and I were sitting down years and years later, obviously, and one of the things he shared with me, he says, Jason, in my head, I had stories that I wanted more people to hear. He wrote that story. It wound up becoming a paperback bestseller. Throughout the Army Rangers across the world, one of their required books is reading this book called Recondo. Now, I have no experience in the military. I have no experience in the jungles, but I had five years of teaching high school. I had six years of working as a consultant for another time management company, and I figured, all told, I had some good experiences that I would love to share with more people. Interestingly enough, the name of the book, Your Best Just Got Better, that was the name of my blog that actually started in 2001. I started blogging. had no idea that this thing would turn into a hardback book that I'd get to talk about on television. I just knew that the, the short blog posts that I wanted to write way, way back when were about people's best going up one level. One of the things that I'd love to spin around in this conversation, Sol, is I look at better as a noun, not a verb. Better as not something that I'm doing. I don't do something better. I am better. Mm, yum. Excellent. Excellent. That's a very good point. Folks, I have to come clean. I have, as you know, I do my best to be a transparent monk and share those times where I've cooked egg on my face. I, when, <laughs> I know, I, I think I know where this story is going. Yeah, yeah. Well, when I met Jason in, in New York, one of those great, you know, here, yeah, thank you for offering to write a review. I'm thinking in my mind, all right, this man will probably take about eh, a day and a half to plow through the book and then whip up some sort of paragraph or so where he'll throw that out on Amazon, and that's fantastic, and that's what most reviewers were doing. So I had a story going on in my mind that Jason, being the busy man that he is, he's, when I read his website, I thought, oh, good Lord, I'm kind of afraid of what he's going to write because, frankly, ever since I've published this book, I've always had this fear that someone who I consider a peer would write back and say, so why did you waste the paper? Like this has all been written before. And 
for those who are not familiar with this show, you're going to hear me talk about the history of how Pay Me What I'm Worth got written and produced and is now creating other really healthy, productive coaches. My fear has always been that before I wrote this book, I had this attitude that there really is no book needing to be written because it's all been written. If you go back and you do your research, if you go back and really take the time and research whatever topic it is that you're interested in, generally, in my mind, a few years ago, it's all been there. It's just been rehashed and recycled, and I had this bias that why should I add to the noise? If it weren't for a published author kicking my butt and saying, yes, well, that's all well and good, soul, but you have a unique way of presenting material, just as every other individual on this planet has a unique way. And I started pestering Jason. It was kind of like, well, a month went by, haven't heard anything. It's like, okay, dude, where's this? Where's this review? And then another month went by, and I'm like, ahem, dude. You know, I had no idea, no idea that this man, who is as accomplished as he is, is actually going through the book and doing the work. Now, had I even a clue, a clue that this was going on, I would have, like, locked him completely alone and would have been totally impressed that I heard anything back from him in a year. So he was smart enough and kind enough and graceful enough to just kind of ignore my last two emails. And he finally goes, all right, here you go. Here it is. And at that point, Jason, thank you for being graceful and kind. Absolutely. Absolutely. The part that I just savor the most about your Amazon.com review is that part where I turned it in a way you didn't expect it to happen. And in your comment about going on and on and on about learning and diving into it and where you would assume that I could take what you call the money term. Could you elaborate on what you consider to be the money term? Oh, sure. Pay. Okay. Yeah, that was it. If I walk into a conversation from an employee mindset and someone uses the term pay, I am immediately going to go to that biweekly paycheck or when I was a high school teacher, that monthly paycheck. I left education years ago, and when I left, teachers had already started complaining about pay which always amazed me because when I was hired and every other teacher in the state of California, they gave me a matrix, and the matrix on one axis had years of service and one axis had level of education. And so with two master's degrees and five years of being in the school district, that was the number that I was going to earn. When I look at what the work is that I did in your book, and for those of you who are, are looking at the Amazon.com review that I wrote, when I called out those specific pages, those were, to, for me, those are the thinking pages. Those are the pages that said, well, wait a minute, Jason, not what are you earning for what it is that you're giving. What are you getting from what it is that you're giving? And that what am I getting versus what am I being paid, I think, is, a, is an interesting uh, I mean, you know what I just saw was Ben Franklin exercise, right, where you pull out a piece of paper and you make it in two halves. And on one half, you write down what I get paid, and then the other column, you write down what I get. And that could be an interesting, mm -hmm. you know, I know which column mm -hmm. be longer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. How many things can I come up with that I get 
paid versus how many things could I come up with that, that I get from doing the work that I do. I mean, you know, client hires me to come and speak for their leadership team. Pretty much there's one thing that's going to go in that left-hand column. Well, I get paid X. But on the right-hand column, what do I get? Oh, my goodness. I get new friends. I get new colleagues. I get new promises. I get new opportunities. I get new goals. I get a new mindset. I get a new perspective. Bingo. So I'm not turning Jason into my poster child for pay me what I'm worth. I think that <laughs> the book works, man. It works. <laughs> you know, it's like, yes. And for those who are listening and you've heard many of these things over and over and over again, it gets better. It gets better. The thing about this is we're all so busy. And I was just on a, a coaching call. I'm, I'm here in California today. And generally I start my days between 5 and 5.36 in the morning. I get my Europe stuff out of the way. I do a little bit of East Coast stuff. And then I have a good portion of the morning where I, I take it for myself. And one of the coaching calls this morning, one of the clients in, in New York was saying, you know, Jason, since I've been going through my ideal day, and this is something that we're really looking at with all of our clients right now, is, is if you were to sit down and pull out a piece of paper and just write down elements of an ideal day. Now, quick, this is not the perfect day. This is not the day that you save up your entire life and you hope it goes the way you want it. I'm thinking about uh, a wedding right now, right? Um, people put all of their effort into this one day and it's supposed to be the perfect day. I'm talking about what are elements of if I got to the end of a, a circadian cycle and I look back and I would be able to check off some things. And for me, elements of, of an ideal day always include work and life. They include play and nothing. They include uh, life and family and sport and friends. And one of the things that showed up is after your book really forced me to do. I mean, going through and making the, the journal entries that I did and and for those of you who are souls clients, gosh, what a, a lucky bunch. And if this is something that you're considering, what would happen if I gave myself the gift of my own attention? And I think that's what the most impactful part of, of your book was for me, Soul. Well, for those, if this were a video chat, you'd see my face so wrinkled up and smiling right now. And I'm oh, actually good. quite tingling because when a peer reviews a peer's work, that level of you got it sinks in even deeper when I read and hear what you're saying. And I, I'm saying this because, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know how many people I've met who know it all. They know it all. They're coaches. They're motivational speakers. They're very well received. They're very popular. And when I try to get to know them, there's this, I know it all. I, why are you talking to me? I know it all. And I'm like, whoa. And that always brings me back to that famous Buddhist story of the, you know, the, the famous professor or the, the, the knowledgeable one coming to the Buddha teacher and the Buddha teacher filling up the teacup and it starts flowing over. You've heard that one before. Yeah, Jason? Right. So for you to take my book into heart and for you to say in your review that it's like you had a personal coach with you as you were working through each chapter, I literally took about 15 minutes and floated in that. It was just so yummy. Thank you for that. Well, here's the thing, and I, and I loved how we started off if there's an idea out there, it's been written. There's that quote in that one book, 
by that guy Ecclesiastes that says there's nothing new under the sun. When we were writing the book, and I say we because I don't know any author, even if there is the only name on the front cover who did it by her or himself. So when we were writing the book, my little team kind of pulling ourselves together, over and over we would come back to this idea of, really, Jason, another book on productivity and personal engagement and performance in life and at work? Really? Is this? And I kept thinking to myself, look at Yes, it's been written. Yes, people have been talking about this. Yes, there's people who are taller and more famous than I am who are out there promoting these messages. And no one will spin it the way that we do. No one can combine the stories that make up our DNA of development and growth the way that we can. Now I'm at the point where if I get an idea about from a book to a speech to a video program, even to a blog entry, if I get an idea about something that I have not seen already written out there, I kind of worry. If it hasn't been written, why not, right? Is there really no market for this? Was there? I can't be the first person to have thought of this. So by the very fact that I'm thinking about something that does exist, and for those of you who are working on a project, whether that's an information project, whether it's a product that you're bringing to the market, just the fact that it's out there and being talked about for me, that's enough of an instigation to want to move forward with it. And it's all in the story anyway. I mean, I figure people who buy my book, they're looking for the story behind the book, and then they're trying to pick out from that what can they do. Thus, I could imagine how you would have just chuckled when you saw me the moment when I purchased the URLs pay me what I'm worth and pay me what I am worth in 2006, thinking someone's got to have purchased those URLs, first off. And imagine my surprise when I checked out the Library of Congress in 2006 for a book that's been written with the words, pay me what I'm worth, and it wasn't. It wasn't. Good case. Good case. All right. Now, we can get granular, we can get kind of an overview. Which which path? I guess when you look at it from where you started reading Pay Me What I'm Worth to where you're at now, Jason, what jumps out for you? What really surprised you in your process of going through the work? Great way to put that question, Saul. And I'm thinking about the person who has just picked up your book or I'm thinking about the person who's on the fence of whether or not they go through your book. The first decision that I had to make when I walked away with your book, got back to the hotel, and of course, I, I will confess, I was en route to doing the first review that you had thought was coming, right? Give me 36 hours, let me glance through this thing, I'll read the back cover, I'm going to pull a couple quotes, I'll pull open to a random page, and I'll, I'll throw something down. The decision that we have to make when we pick up a book like yours is, do we read the book or do we do the book? And that, I think, is the biggest indicator of how someone would engage with the work that, that you've put out there. And so the biggest surprise to me about the process of going through your book, and, and please don't take this any other way other than this is just what's present for me, was I made a commitment to myself to do the work. And in the busyness of life, it, you know, it, right place, right time, universe, or whatever you want to believe about how that came about, 
the biggest surprise to me was I told myself, I said, you know what, Jason, for whatever reason, Soul jumped into your life. He got you this book. What are you going to do here? And that's when I pulled out a section of my Moleskin journal that was dedicated to the reading of your book. That's why it took me a little bit longer than, than maybe it would have had I just gone cover to cover. And I think that's important for people to, to take a look at, that right now in your learning library, I've got three things in my learning library. I've got audio, I've got video, and I've got the written word. And at any given time, I want to look over there and go, okay, what is it that I need to do again? Whether I'm going to listen to it, watch it, or read it, I want something to come as an activity, some actionable end game of that. Right now, I'm in this really interesting space, Soul, where my wife and I run three different learning companies together. And one of the things that's on our mind right now is now that we're six years into the oldest of our three companies, I <laughs> I've had this thought lately that goes something like this. If I were going to start this whole thing over again, would I be doing in the format I'm doing it now in? And just the fact that I'm asking myself that question, there's information in there that I have to follow. I have to be that bloodhound that runs down that rabbit trail to, to identify, wait a minute, just because I'm asking myself that question, there may be something more to explore there. And I think the title of your book kind of jumps out to people, right? Pay me what I'm worth. Just the fact that they're looking at that book as something to add to their learning library, I would want to follow that information. And I try to do that with mine, too. People looking for a surprise, it's going to be coming from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Part of one of the constant refrains I get is, well, I've had a person now who emailed me and she says, I'm going through your book for the sixth time. I've never gone through a book six times. I've never, ever taken a book like you've written. I've done it once. I put it away, blah, blah, blah. But there's something that keeps itching me with the research that I'm doing into me. And then I go back and it's like you've given such a framework to go back and do it again and again. And so what I'm hearing from you, Jason, is, you took this to heart such that that bloodhound in you was sniffing around and looking for new perspectives, looking for ways that, yes, you're comfortable with, but they can be tweaked so that your energy level then matches the type of people you really want to work with. Did I hear that correctly? That's when work isn't work anymore. That's when it, we're sitting yes. around the living room on our couches having a conversation about whatever that topic is that we cannot not talk about. Jason, how do you reply to people who tell you they're too busy to work with you? Awesome. My, my first response is awesome. And the busyness of life is exactly what's gotten us to where we are right now. And if I look at the past 10 years of how busy I've been, all of those experiences, and by the way, 10 years, if that's too much, just go 10 months. All the last 10 years or 10 months 10 hours or 10 minutes of busyness have gotten me to this exact point. If there's some different there, there, I talked about the there over there. If there's some different there, there, what will I have to change about my busyness to move in that direction? And the, the, the underlying principle to that one soul that I listen for, and I usually hear it, if not out loud, I usually can infer it, 
is people say, I don't have time. So the first one is, I'm so busy. The second one is, I don't have time. And I think that one of the consciousness shifts that we're making right now in a lot of circles is, it's no longer time that I need to make a shift. It's no longer time that I'm looking for to make things in my life or work differently. It's focus. And in much shorter bouts of an increased focus, I can move and, 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 and get so much more done. I mean, just in America, if you went through the public education system of America, your reading speed is 250 to 400 words a minute. That's just average across the country. So if you pick up a book, if you pick up a business book or a how-to book or a self-help book, you should be able to read about 15 pages in about 15 minutes. That's just kind of statistics. Average book in that genre is going to be 250 pages, so you can do the quick math. A reason that people don't read is not that they don't have time. It's while they're reading, they'll get to the bottom of the page, soul, and not know what they read. So they'll go back mm -hmm. to the book. They mm -hmm. read that page again, but in that 60 seconds of focus, time, they got distracted. Their cell phone buzzed, their email dinger came in, the phone rang, someone walked by and waved and let them in the office. So for me, those of us who are busy, the first thing I'm going to say is awesome. The second thing I'm going to say is forget about time. What is the one thing today you can do to focus on improvement, development, or engagement? And what I've found is that in 5, 10, a long 15 minutes of highly focused effort, I can actually get more done in that movement toward something better. Uh, the one quick tactic that I'll give you is this one. In a day, we have 96 15-minute blocks. I don't go through my day and put everything into 15-minute chunks, although I have, right? when I put together my ideal day, I just wrote down and said, hey, what would an ideal day contain? What would a day that if I got to the end of that 24-hour cycle, I'd look back and be proud of myself in that time? And you know, one of the things that showed up was that I've slept for seven hours. I would be proud if I could get seven hours of rest in. Uh, another one, an hour of exercise. I would be proud if I got five, four, maybe at least three 15-minute blocks in for exercise. And by the way, by proud, I don't mean, you know, beat on my chest. It's at the end of the day, I get to fall asleep because I'm okay. I'm content. I'm good with Jason. I guess what it is is I don't want there to be any shoulds at the end of the day, right? I should have done this. I wish I could have done that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Jason, you've just picked up on one of the things that I've observed with those who I call master those who I bow to and want to be more like, and that is their absolute laser focus on one thing until it's done. Laser focus. There is no distraction. I mean, there could be something. I've witnessed masters who, if I would have stopped what I was doing to go to the aid of that other particular task, they didn't. And some of the most powerful learnings from that was, wait a minute, when I'm witnessing another person suffering, and I know that if I take two minutes, I can help them no longer suffer, 
why wouldn't I do that? And I re specifically recall one teacher saying, well, that's all well and good, but you have forgotten the fact that you will now suffer for taking those two minutes. You could have gotten something done in those two minutes that could have helped 20 people. When uh, I yeah. grew up, I was told not to be selfish. Now, the other one, by the way, is share, right? You have to mm -hmm. share with your brother. Well, mm -hmm. first of all, if, if I'm not selfish, right, if I don't take care of this vessel, there's no overflow from which to give to you. What I see is a lot of people who are trying to give of themselves when they themselves are not full. So yeah. I, I like to play around with that concept. And then the second one, this thing about sharing. You know, my wife and I, we don't have kids. We, we chose not to go that route. We have friends with children, and my wife's sister has a couple of kids. And I see it all the time where the parents say to the two siblings or three siblings, you know, share with your brother, share with your sister. And I'm standing up, and I'm actually saying, why don't we call it what it is? The sister has to give half of this stuff to someone she doesn't really like. That's what it really is. <laughs> and as long as we just call it what it is, if I'm sharing with you, it's I'm, I'm giving my stuff to you, and I want to do so willingly. Yeah. However, I'm going to rub a lot of people with this, some coarse sandpaper here, is the most selfish thing that I can do is not take care of myself. The most mm -hmm. selfless thing that I can do is take care of my, myself first. And then once that, and you used the analogy a little bit earlier of, the, of filling up the cup and it's overflowing. And at the point of overflow, now we get to scoop that up and go, okay, who wants some of this and who wants some of that? I have enough. I have plenty. I'm taken care of. Perfect. Yep. Which naturally leads me to the question, what questions am I now asking you that you really want to cover from your experience of actually doing the work within Pay Me What I'm Worth? Hmm. You know, people who have hung around you know a lot of your story, but there's probably a piece of your story that you've been working on over the past six or 12 months that either has not been shared in its entirety. Really, the, the, the prompt of this is, why? Why do you feel compelled or called to do this work? But share with us something that you look back on as an inciting incident or the one mentor or teacher or the one day when you realize this is what I'm here to do. Oh, I instantly flash back to a few months ago when I was doing one of my workshops where I'm paying people $2,500 for me to come and do a workshop in their city. That's how I'm marketing my book is I want to pay people decent money to put on a weekend workshop. So I'm hiring. For those who are listening, I'm hiring. And what compels me to do what I'm doing is all – this is one of those couples that I sadly wish was the only couple I've heard the same story from, Jason. This particular couple, they were in their middle 60s. It was quite abundantly clear that they were quite abundantly financially wealthy. I mean, she was beautifully coiffed. I mean, the nails, beautiful hair, beautiful accessories, obviously quite styled. He, by his appearance and, and pedigree and so forth, both of them, very well moneyed. But they had this gloom 
about them when they started the workshop, this just cloud over them. And before we really got into it, I pulled them aside and I said, is there anything I need to be aware of as we get into this workshop? I mean, did you just, was there a funeral recently or is there like a something happening that is recent in your life that um, mm. that's causing this? I can tell you're, you, you really do want to be happy, but it's the thunderstorm going on. And she started to cry, and I'm like, oh, my God, what did I just do? We're, we're minutes away from just starting this workshop. And I pull them aside, and I, and I said, okay, you know what you're about to tell me is strictly confidential. This will not be used within the workshops unless you yourself get up and talk about this. And she says, so the reason why we're here is because we recognize we've ruined our children's lives. And I went, uh, okay. She says, we had it in our minds that it was up to us to give our children everything we did not have. It was up to us to work our fannies off to make the money that we've made so that we could give our children the, the lifestyle that we wanted when we were growing up. Well, here's the deal. Our children don't know us because we never were around. We hired people to take care of them. We hired people to do the cleaning and the cooking and the so forth. We don't know our children. And we train them to replicate the model that we did. Now they're not going to get to know us. And if all things were different, if we could erase and go back 30 years, we would be much happier if our children knew that we loved them and cared for them because we were there with them every single day to witness all those beautiful things that we never got to see, and we'll never get to see, and we'll never get to see it in our grandkids because they're too busy replicating the model that we did. Blew me away. Jason blew me away. What I get from you, and this is the world that I want to step into, is let's meet where we are. Let's, as I was sharing a little earlier, let, let's not should on each other. You know, so where are you? What's current? What's present? Where do we go from here? I think it helps all of us to remember that we all started somewhere where we're currently not. And I think it goes back to the, the, the busyness and the business discussion we were having a little bit earlier, that just the fact that you're starting is enough information to the universe that you're willing to keep on going and waiting to start or waiting until things are one way or another, waiting until I have time, I think that's why as I've moved away from time and toward focus as a more significant arbiter of what I produce in the day, I've been met more and more with the people and the things around me that have enabled me to move forward. Let me sit down, let me focus on what's true and what I want be true, at least from the perspective that I own right now, knowing full well that as soon as I turn that corner and look down that alleyway, there's going to be a new there that I, that I move toward. Well, now you feature the goal of pay me what I'm worth. Jason, to me, what I'm hearing you say is it enhances your life to be of service first to yourself, your own personal blossoming process however that unfolds for you. You're being of service to yourself by learning, growing, relaxing, caring, and sharing. And in return, that larger 
part of being of service to everyone else you touch, whether that's your partner, whether that's your neighbors, whether that's your close family and friends, or people you've just met because you've just started a workshop, the energy that is fed back to you by being of service, you ask my question, what, what drives me to do this? It's to be of service. It's that relationship that cannot be taxed, cannot be stolen. It will never go out of fashion. I can't possibly lose it because it's all over or around me. The goal of painting what I'm worth is to tap into that joy of just being and being of service. You do judge a book by its cover. Pay me what I'm worth, to me, really was let me figure out why I'm on the planet. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, mm-hmm. was was as valuable. I mean, sure, you know, we're going to have some great negotiation techniques, and out of that we're going to have a more secure foundation upon which to come from. If I'm asking for that raise or that salary, it was almost a byproduct for me of what the real work was, which was, hey, Jason, take, take, take a little bit of time, go to your whiteboard, and, and just draw for a while. Would an ideal day look like? What would a perfect client at this iteration, at this moment? Mm-hmm. Now, let's make sure you get out to Jason's site. If you're listening to this on a podcast without any access to links, you're going to go out to WomackCompany.com, and I'll spell that, W-O-M, as in Mary, A-C-K, company.com, Womack.com. Get out there, poke around his site, definitely order his book, Your Best Just Got Better, because it's part and parcel. Jason, I'm going to plant this seed, and we'll see if it gets any water and sunlight and if it grows into something, but I would like to get you over to Maui. I do believe we should do a workshop together for folks that will balance a lot of playtime with a lot of aha time. I'm in, whether that's live, virtual, written, ebook, book, conversations. Uh, you know, I'm going to like I'm at least 105. I got a lot more to do on this planet. So we will make, we will make that happen one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I'm putting together a series this year. So we're going to get together on the equinoxes and the solstices, and I am putting together a series where those who are wise enough to get involved with us, and I mean us, is because I'm collecting people like Jason to co-create events where from the moment you register for the event, like for instance, I'm doing one in Maui at Lumeria, Maui, that's our in-person thing. Jason, what we're doing is the second you register, you get me and the person I'm co-facilitating with We're going to be your coaches for a full year, if not year and a half, depending on how early you register. So I'll put that seed out there. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And for everybody listening in, thank you very much for sharing a bit of your morning or evening or whenever during your day with us. Mahalo. Imagine me bowing before you, kind sir, with great gratitude. And for those listening in, again, Womack company.com. Now, is there a phone number, Jason, that you're comfortable with sharing for people to call you Absolutely. directly? Absolutely. It's just my cell phone, my mobile phone travels everywhere with me. So if you have a pen and paper, here you go. 805-798-1362. 805-798-1362. I'm usually on the Pacific time zone, so if you call me outside of that, just you know, give me a little bit extra 
to get back to you at. And then, uh, of course, text message is always fun. But uh, they're on my website. They can download the first 40 pages of my book at no cost. You can read my blog, which I post to several times a week. Uh, you can download a seven keys for a more productive day ebook, PDF, and um, tons of ways to stay in touch over there. All right. Thanks again, Jason. Aloha, everyone. All right. That wraps it up. Thanks for listening. This is Pay Radio, talk radio worth listening to. You can listen to all sorts of on-demand shows at bit.ly forward slash payradio. Again, bit.ly forward slash payradio has hundreds of on-demand shows for you to enjoy, learn, laugh, and grow with ease and grace. Aloha. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.